0: Here we go again. Hello, everyone. Chapter 10, King Fred's Quest. King Fred strode from the throne room, feeling quite delighted with himself. Nobody would ever again say that he was selfish, vain, and cruel. For the sake of of a smelly, simple old shepherd and his worthless old mongrel, he, King Fred the Fearless, was going to hunt the Ichabog. True, there was so much, there was no such thing, but it was still dashed fine and noble of him to ride to the other end of the country in person to prove it. Quite forgetting lunch, the king rushed upstairs to his be- bedroom, shouting for his valet to come and help him out of the dreary black suit and into his battle dress. Which he never had the chance to wear before. The tunic was scarlet with buttons of gold, a purple sash, and lots of medals that Fred was allowed to wear because he was king. <clears throat> and when Fred looked in the mirror and he saw how how well battle dress became, how well battle dress became him, he wondered why he didn't wear it all the time. As his valet lowered the king's plumed helmet. plumped plumped helmet onto the golden curls, Fred imagined himself painted, wearing it seated on his favorite milk-white charger and spearing a serpent-like monster with his lance. King Fred the Fearless, indeed. Why he half hoped that there was really an Ichabod now? Meanwhile the chief advisor was sending the sending word throughout the city within the city the king was set off on a tour of of the country and that everybody everyone should be ready to cheer him as he left <clears throat> Harringbone made no mention of the Ichabog because he wanted to prevent the king from looking foolish if he could unfortunately the footman called, Cackenberry, Cackenberry oh, had overheard the two advisors muttering together about the king's strange scheme. Cackenberry immediately told the between maid who spread the word all over the kitchens where a sausage seller from town was gossiping with the cook in, sh- in short time by the time in short by the time the king's Party was ready to leave, word had spread all through city within the city that the king was riding north to hunt A News was also beginning to leak out wider Chooksville. Is this a joke? The cap, the capital's inhabitants asked each other as they thr- thronged out t- onto the pavements, ready to cheer the king. What does it mean? Some shrugged and laughed and said that the king was merely having fun. Others shook their head and muttered that there must be more to it than that. No king would ride out armed to the north of the country without a good reason. What the folk were the worried folk asked each other, does the king know that we do not? Lady Islander joined the other ladies in the court on a balcony to the, uh, watch the soldiers assembling. I shall now tell you a secret which nobody else knew. Lady Islander would never have married the king if, even if he had asked her. You see, she was secretly in love with a man called Captain Goodfellow who was now chatting and laughing with his good friend Major Beamish. In the courtyard below, Lady Slender, who was very shy, had never been able to bring herself to talk to Captain Goodfellow, who had no idea that she was the most beautiful woman at, co- at court, was in love with him. Both, God Goodfellow's parent, both, both Goodfellow's parents who were dead had been cheesemakers from K- Kurzenberg, Though Goodfellow was both clever and brave, these were the days when no cheesemaker's son would expect to marry a high-born lady. Meanwhile, all the servant's children were being let out of school early to watch the battle set off. Mrs. Beamish, the pastry, sh- the pastry chef, naturally rushed to collect Bert so that he'd be given a good spot to- spot to watch his father passing by. When the palace gates opened at last and the cavalcade rode out, Bert and Mrs. B- and Mrs. Beamish cheered at the top of their lungs. Nobody had seen battle dress for a long time. How exciting it was and how fine the sunlight played upon the golden buttons silver swords and the gleaming trumpets of the burglars, and up the palace balcony the handkerchiefs of ladies of the court fluttered in the farewell like doves. At the, at the front of the procession rode King Fred on his milk-white charger, holding scarlet reins waving at the cloud right behind him. Riding a thin yellow horse and wearing a bored expression, was Spittleworth. And next came Flappoon, f- furiously lunchless, um, sitting on the elephantine chestnut. Behind the king, the two the two lords trotted, the royal guard, and all of them dapple grey horses, except for Major Beamish who rode his steel-grey stallion. It made Mrs. Beamish's heart flutter to see her husband looking so handsome. "'Good luck, Daddy!' shouted Bert, and Major Beamish, though he really shouldn't have done, waved at his son. <clears throat> the procession trotted down the hill, smiling at the cheering clouds of the sit- crowds of the city within the city, until it reached the gates in the wall onto wider Tewksville. There, hidden by the crowds, was the Dovetail's cottage. Mr. Dovetail and Daisy had come out their garden, and they were able to see the plumes in the helmets of the Royal Guards riding past. Daisy didn't feel much interest in the soldiers. She and Bert still weren't talking to each other. In fact, he spent the morning break, with Roger Roach, who had often jeered Daisy for wearing overalls instead of a dress. So the cheering and the sounds of horses didn't raise her spirits at all. There isn't really an Ichabog, Daddy, is there? she asked. No, Daisy, sighed Mr Dovetail, turning back to his workshop. There's no Ichabog, but if the king wants to believe in it, then let him. He can't do much harm up in the marshlands, which just goes to show how sensible men may fail to see a terrible looming danger. Thank you for listening. Bye.